Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. You know this message that you're about to hear. I pray that it not only inspires you, but encourages you to follow Jesus even more. In fact, there are probably people in your life who need to hear this timely word. Chances are you're thinking about them right now. Share this message with them. And listen, if you're watching on YouTube, let me encourage you to hit subscribe, stay tapped in. You know, I also wanna take the time to thank all those who support us. We wouldn't have any ministry outside these four walls if it weren't for our friends who come alongside us in prayer and supporting us financially. You know, there are thousands, there are thousands who are benefited by this ministry because of your giving, and we thank you. To continue or to even start supporting our mission to help others and their families follow Jesus, you can give by visiting cfmiami.org slash give. We also wanted to update you on something important. Recently, our on-demand services will be available starting Sunday evenings. To catch the entire service, be sure that you're logging onto our live streams when we begin services Sunday morning at 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. Otherwise, you'll be catching the service midway through. Enjoy this sermon. In Miami-Dade County, nearly 63% of children live in households that cannot afford the basics. And 19%, yes, 19% are living in poverty. The reality is that many hardworking families in our city simply cannot keep up with the rising cost of living. In fact, this year, 38% of parents say that they will cut back on heirs like food and basic needs just to make ends meet and will work overtime and even second jobs. You know, as followers of Jesus, this should break our hearts and church, God has called us to do something. Because of that, we're launching a brand new initiative called Be a Blessing. You see, the idea behind this initiative is that Christ Fellowship would come alongside these families in the city and not just serve them once, but rather develop a relationship with them where we can be a blessing to the same family at different times of the year, such as the beginning of school year, uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas time, and beyond. And if they ever go through some sort of tragedy or trial, they know there's a group of people that they can go to for support and for prayer. You see, over the years, we've been able to serve thousands of families through various community outreaches, and we've seen God move in the hearts of many families. But our desire is not that we would just be a church that serves families one time a year, but rather that we would come alongside these families and serve them above and beyond at various times of the year. And so here's my challenge for a church. You ready? Starting this summer, I would love to see us come alongside 500 families in our city. In fact, I would love to see each of our small groups be part of this Be A Blessing initiative. You know, I've shared with you before that our desire is for every person to be in a small group and every small group to be on mission. And this is such a great way for your small group to be on mission. And the first way we're going to be a blessing to these families will be at the start of the new school year, where we will not only get their kids ready for school with backpacks filled with school supplies, but we will also partner with Care for Miami so that their children would have food to eat over the weekend for just $300 for the entire year. This will ensure that these children would have food over the weekend until they're able to return to school on Monday. To sign up your small group, or if you're an individual family that would like to be part of this initiative, go to cfmiami.org slash be a blessing. Christ Fellowship, God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others, specifically in our city. So let's be faithful to God's call and be a blessing. Christ Fellowship. 
Amen. And you know, I love that our worship team sang that song. I'm going to wait on you, Lord. In fact, today we're going to be learning from God's Word how to stay resilient even when we wait on our God. Amen. And folks, He is a faithful God. Amen. Amen. Can we praise God today, this morning at all campuses? Amen. Awesome. Hey, well, welcome everyone. It is so great to have you today and to see you worshiping our great God. My name is Omar. And I have the honor and the privilege of serving as a lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. Uh, and if you are a first-time guest, maybe online, maybe one of our local campuses, uh, thank you so much for being here today. It's always an honor for us as a church family to have you with us. And I hope you're feeling loved and welcome today. And uh, before we dive into God's Word, I want to give us an update on Pastor Rick. You know, we heard a conversation with Pastor Rick last week on Father's Day. And I want to give you an update. So he is back home, praise God. Yeah. And, uh, man, I've spoken to him almost every day. He sounds great. He's doing really, really well. Uh, this upcoming Wednesday, he's getting his second round of chemo. And so let's just let's keep praying for Pastor Rick as he goes through this season of his life. And uh, listen, from here on out, um, you can stay updated as to what's going on with Pastor Rick on our website. If you go, there's a banner on the top of our website uh, for Pastor Rick. You can stay updated on what's going on with him there. We'll be, I'll be updating that uh, periodically. Also, if there's also a big announcement, something major going on with him, we'll be sure to make an announcement here at church. But for all of us, you can stay up to date uh, on our main website, all right? But let's keep praying uh, for Pastor Rick that God would lead him, him and his family through this season and for healing. So if you're a Bible, let's, stay, let's remain standing for the reading of God's Word. I'll be reading from Genesis chapter 39 and Psalms 13, and you can follow along as I read. All right? Listen to what God's Word says. And, and Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And there he was in what, church? In prison. You see, Joseph went into a season of waiting as he was there in prison. And folks, listen to what it says in Psalms 13, verse 1. It says this, How long, O Lord? Everyone say, how long? How long? Everyone say, how long? how long? Yeah, how long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Sometimes that is the cry of our heart as we wait on the Lord. Amen? Amen. That is God's word. You can go and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. And family, let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, when Camila was born, we bought her a little crib. I remember, remember putting her in that little crib. And, you know, early I remember when she would just peek out of that little crib and, you know, if... Those are just wonderful memories that you have as a parent. I'm sure if you have children or grandchildren, you have those memories as well. But when Camila got a little older, we knew it was time to transition her into a big girl bed. And so we, Ashley and I, we went online. We picked the store that we wanted, reputable store. We found the bedroom set, and we went ahead and placed that order. Now, because it was in the middle of COVID, we had to wait. Everyone say wait. wait. Yeah, we had to wait for almost a year for this bed. Now, folks, follow me here. 
because the day finally came where this bed arrived to the home. And I remember, you know, the, the delivery man bringing everything in, setting it up, and Camila was so in love with her brand new bed. But unfortunately, but unfortunately, the delivery man broke the bed as they were installing it. Oh yeah, they put a screw in the wrong place and they cracked the board and now every time she would get in bed, it makes a terrible, terrible noise. So I called the company, told them, listen, the delivery people made a mistake, they cracked the bed and uh, can, do you mind sending us a new one? And they said, absolutely, we are so sorry. This shouldn't have happened. However, we had to wait six more months. Yeah. So then, eventually, that day came where they brought the new bed. And guess, guess what? They broke it again. <laughs> oh, yeah, they put the screw again in the wrong place and cracked the board, the, the, the footboard. So then I called the company and said, hey, listen, the delivery team broke it again. And they said, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. We're going to make it up to you. So, so we're going to send you a new footboard. But you're going to have to wait because the bed is in back order now. All right, yeah, no problem. We'll wait, we'll wait, we'll wait. Finally, the bed comes back in stock and they send us the, the footboard. But when it gets there, it's not the footboard, it's the headboard. So the delivery people couldn't do anything. So then I called again and said, hey, guys, I'm trying to be a pastor here, you know. <laughs> hey, guys, you know. You, you, you send the wrong thing. And then they said, well, Mr. Omar, listen, we're sorry, but this bed is now discontinued. <laughs> and so we're like, all right, so what now? And they're like, well, don't worry. A supervisor is going to call you, and they're going to make it all right. And folks, I never got a call. Yeah, so I'm waiting. We're waiting and waiting and waiting. Listen, let me tell you, every single time that I would call, Right? They would tell me, hey, we're on it. We care about you guys. We will fix it. Don't worry about it. But folks, a supervisor will call back and they'll get in touch with you and they'll figure it out. But folks, that never happened. And folks, to this day, this has not been resolved. <laughs> but folks, everyone lean in because here's what I realized. With every single passing day that I was waiting, that we were waiting for this issue to be solved, I became more and more frustrated. With every single passing day, listen, I began to lose trust in this company. And with every single passing day, I really was questioning where these people really care about the situation. And folks, do not miss this. Because as all, as almost three years worth, as we have been waiting for this thing to be resolved, for this issue to be resolved, listen, with every passing day, our confidence in this company wanes more and more and more. And church, let me just bring that whole story over to our time together because family, what an example of what could happen to you and to me when we have to wait on God. And by that I mean that just like, listen, with every passing day that I am waiting, we're losing trust in that company just like that. And here's the main idea as we open up God's word today. When we come to a place where we are forced 
to wait on God to take action in our lives. If we are not careful, we can begin to lose trust in the Lord. In other words, you know, when there is an issue in our lives and we are seeking God and we're asking, Lord, intervene, help us with this, Lord, and we begin to wait on the Lord. Listen, the longer that we have to wait on God, they're easy, it's, easy, it's easy for us to begin to get frustrated and, and begin to lose confidence in the Lord. Who knows, maybe right now you're one of our campuses, maybe you're watching online, and maybe you are in a season of waiting right now. Maybe you're waiting on the Lord for something in your life. Some of us are waiting for God to open a specific door in our life, a specific opportunity that we can walk through. For some of us, we're waiting for a financial breakthrough so that you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck every single life, every single day. You're waiting for God to do something in your life. For some of us, you're waiting on God to resolve a family issue, a family tension, something going on in your family. For some of us, it's a health issue. And we are waiting on God. Lord, take away these migraines. Take away this back pain. Take away this health issue in my life. For some of us, listen, we're waiting on God to work in our marriage, to restore this struggling, broken marriage. For some of us, perhaps, we're just waiting on God to bring you that person, the right person in your life so that you can marry and start a family. Folks, here's what happens. Sometimes it feels like the more you pray to God, the less you see him act, right? And, and here's what, the longer that you wait on the Lord, not only do you get frustrated, but you start questioning, does God really care about this situation? Does God really care of what's going on in my life? So you may be sitting here right now thinking, Omar, listen, I love God. I'm, I mean, I'm at church. I'm worshiping. I'm trying to do my, the things as best as I can. But Omar, I don't want to lose trust in God. I don't want this season to really hurt my walk with God. I want to be resilient as I wait on the Lord. So Omar, what do we need to know as a church family so that when we go through seasons of waiting, we can stay resilient in our faith in God? Well, folks, we're going to find out today from an ancient story in the book of Genesis, chapter 39, of a man named Joseph. And so if you have your Bibles at all campuses, let's go to Genesis chapter 39. And folks, today I have three important thoughts on when we go through those confusions, confusing seasons of waiting. Christ Fellowship at all campuses, are you all ready? Okay, so write this down as point number one. Here's the first thing we need to remember. And that is that a child of God will experience, you will experience seasons of waiting on the Lord. Amen. Now let's go to the passage for today and listen to what it says. It says, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in what? Prison. In prison. Now stop right there and slip into the scene for just a moment. Because two weeks ago, we learned that Joseph 
was falsely accused of sexual advances of his master's wife. And so when his master found out what took place, Potiphar, he threw him into prison. Now, when we read that, it's easy for us to think, well, he was in prison maybe a few months. Uh, maybe he was there a good year. But folks, the reality is that it was not a short amount of time. It was actually a very long amount of time. In fact, let me just give you a visual of how long this was. So scripture says, if you, if you recall, that when Joseph was sold by his brothers, he was about 17 years old. We covered that in the first week of the series. Then, we're going to learn later on, that Joseph was actually elevated by Pharaoh when he was 30 years old. And so theologians suggest that most likely Joseph went into prison when he was about 20 years old. Which means that he spent about 20 years waiting on the Lord. Folks, I'm sorry, 10 years waiting on the Lord. Hey. Folks, 10 years is a long time. Long time. <laughs> long time. I mean, think about what you were doing, where you were in 2013. Remember where you were living, situation in your life? A lot, of take, a lot has taken place in 10 years, right? Folks, imagine Joseph was there in prison for 10 long years. In fact, he was there so long that the keeper of the prison built enough trust in Joseph to elevate him to be the, 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 the one who would oversee the rest of the prisoners. So while he was there, listen to what happens then. It says, so, so sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, and the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. And they continued for some time in custody. So these two officials of Pharaoh are now, the cupbearer and the baker, are now in the prison with Joseph. And somewhere along the way, the cup, they both have dreams, but the cupbearer specifically has a dream where he sees kind of like three branches with grapes. And he sees almost like the grapes being squeezed into Pharaoh's cup. So then he asks Joseph, hey, Joseph, do you know what this dream could mean? And so then listen to what happens next. It says, And Joseph said to him, This is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. But listen to what Joseph says next. Don't miss this. Joseph says, only remember me when it is well with you. And please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh. And so get me out of this house. Get me out of this prison. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also I have done nothing, nothing that they should put me into this pit. 
And folks, here's what I want to, what I want to call your attention to. Joseph's only request to this cupbearer is that he would remember him. And as Joseph saw that cupbearer leave that cell, that prison cell, he began to wait on the Lord. But here's what his story is going to teach us. And that is that a child of God waits on the Lord even, write this down, letter A, even through the disappointments of life. In fact, listen to what happens in verse 20. It says, now on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief cupbearer back to his position and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And then notice what happens here. Yet the chief cupbearer did not what? Remember. Did not what? Remember. Did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Now, folks, think about this. Joseph is now 28. He's been in prison eight long years. And at this juncture, he thought that the cupbearer uh, was going to be the one that God would use to deliver him from this prison. But notice the scripture says that the cupbearer simply what? He just, he just forgot. You know, the reality is that there's times in our lives when we think that we are going to have a breakthrough in a situation. Almost like a glimmer of hope. Finally, we're going to get out of this situation. But just like that glimmer of hope came, that glimmer of hope left. And again, you experience another disappointment in life. And here's the thing. Maybe you're going through one of those moments in life right now. And you have seen, you've been waiting on God. And, and these little opportunities come and you think, finally, this is the moment that this issue, this family issue, this financial issue, this career issue, it's finally going to resolve. But again, you experience disappointment. And folks, here's what happens. Joseph is going to show us that a child of God waits on God even, write this down as it be, through the discouragements of life. Folks, let's, let's be sure never to minimize the emotions of what we're reading here. You know, when, you know, sometimes we just read a story and we don't really get into it. But if you think about it, Joseph sitting there in this dark dungeon, probably still angry at his brothers. How can they do this to me? Why would they sell me? Thinking about mom and dad, I wonder how mom is with that issue. I wonder how dad is. Is he still alive? Missing his mom and dad, Jacob and Rachel? He's experiencing the, the realities of slavery and, and being in prison. And folks, here's the key. He's probably experiencing the desperation of seeing his life just slip away. You know, what happens is, Usually hap what happens is that we're, we're going through a season of waiting and we're discouraged. One of the, the hardest things to deal with when we're in a season of waiting is that in our minds, we think that our life is slipping away. 
right? When you're in your eight, teenager years, 20, in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, it does 60s, it doesn't matter. You know, when you're going through a season of waiting and you are waiting and waiting and waiting, you feel like your life is just slipping away. Like this season in my life is being inactive. I can't accomplish anything. It's slipping away. My youth is slipping away. And think about it. For Joseph, his entire 20s were slipping from him. And folks, when we get into those moments in our lives, listen, our hearts begin to cry out to the Lord. What King David said in Psalms 13 verse 1, he said, how long? Everyone again say, how long? How long? long? Listen, how long, oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And folks, this is a dangerous place to be. Because when you are in these situations, when you are in this critical moment of your life, and discouragement is setting in in such a deep way, Listen, at those moments, we begin to be tempted to say, you know what? I cannot wait any longer. I need to take matters into my own hands. But folks, here's what we're going to learn. Write this down as big number two. That a child of God resists taking action apart from God. Can I get an amen to that? In fact, listen to what God's word says in Psalms 37. He says this. It says, be what, church? Be what? Yeah. Be still before the Lord and wait what? Patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. You see, folks, what can happen to us so often is when we are waiting on God, and he is silent, and he doesn't seem active, here's what happens. We start looking around to the people around us, and they're doing things their way, right? They're doing things the the wrong way, and here's what happens. They're getting ahead. While your life is slipping away, they're getting away. They're they're, they're getting ahead. And somewhere along the line, you think, you know what? I got to do things their way. I'm done waiting on God. I need, I, I, I got to take matters into my own hands. And you start thinking, you know what? I'm tired of waiting. I'm just going to date anybody. Wow. Hey, I, I can't wait on God anymore. You know what? You know, I, I, I just got to force this issue at work. I got to force this issue in my marriage. I got to force this issue at, in, in my family. I can't wait on God anymore. I got to get him back. God is not doing anything. They're getting away with it. I got to do something. But what the Lord is saying is be still and wait patiently for him. Amen? Amen. Amen. And you know what I love? When you read this passage... Nowhere do you see Joseph trying to be conniving. Hey, I'm going to pay somebody to get out of here. I'm going to form a mutiny with these prisoners. You don't see him trying to take actions into his own hands. Rather, he is still, he is waiting on God. And listen, when God looks down at one of his children and he sees them waiting on him, God's word says that they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with the wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. You know, when God looks down at somebody who's waiting on him, God has a way through his spirit of strengthening him in the, or her in a way they never even could imagine. That's what our God does. And listen, if you think, man, Omar, but you don't understand, waiting on God is hard. Man, it is hard to wait on God. Listen, you want to know what's harder than waiting on God? You ready? Wishing you had waited on God. Amen. Let me repeat that again. The one thing that is harder than waiting on God is wishing that you had waited on God. See, what happens sometimes is that when we are stuck in a delay, in a wait, we try to take our little shortcuts to accomplish. You know, it's, it's like imagine driving down US 1. And your GPS says, you know, there's a 15-minute delay. There's a 15-minute waiting time. But you don't trust the GPS. You know, you know, you're too smart. You know what? I know the back roads, right? Oh, I know these back roads really well. And you think you're outsmarting everyone. You take the back roads. But then guess what? To your surprise, there's a backup in the back roads too. There's issues there. Now you're stuck, and now the back roads are directing you back to US 1. And now you're still waiting the same amount of time you were before. And so what happens sometimes, listen, God is in control of your life. He has set your future. He knows the plans he has for you. But sometimes, can I tell you, we make our waiting longer because we want to take things on our, in, in, in these matters in our own hands. And listen, in an odd way, you can save a lot of time by waiting on God. Amen. I have to repeat that for just one moment. You can save a lot of time by simply waiting on God. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. And here's what's amazing. Write this down as big number three. That God promises to work for those who wait for him. Can I get another Amen. See, that's why God's word says in Isaiah 64, from of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you, O Lord, who acts, everyone say acts. Yeah, who acts for those who wait for him. See, the reality was that Joseph, he would be walking around Egypt and see all these false idol statues everywhere in the land, but he knew who was his God. His God, it was a God that no man has ever thought or imagined. That he was a God who works for those who wait on him. You see, he was a man of God who waited on the Lord. And let me just take the time right here to address the men in our church. Amen. Listen, you already know that I have a heart for the men of our church because I believe when the men in our church are healthy and being the men of God that God's called them to be, they will have healthy families. And when we have healthy families, we will have a healthy church. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so listen, men, let me remind you, you are the leaders of the home. You are the leaders of your families. I've told you, listen, you set the pace at home. 
Last week, Pastor Rick shared with us that you as a man, you set the temperature at home. You see, when there's an issue in your family that, you're there, that, that, that you have to wait on God, guess what? Your wife, your children, your grandchildren, everyone's eyes are on you to see, are we going to wait on God or not? And so, man, I want to challenge you. Be the man that God is calling you to be. Wait on the Lord. Listen, men, sometimes we want to, you know, jump the gun, do things in our own ingenuity. Listen, forget about your own wisdom and trust in the Lord. Wait on God. He is way more faithful than you could ever dream or imagine. And he will be faithful to come through you for you at the right time. Can we encourage some men today? And listen, because this is so important for the men of our church to wait on the Lord. You know, last weekend for Father's Day, we gave out a little gift to all the fathers. But I want all the men today on your way out to pick up. We have a little gift for you. And that's a little car freshener that says, a man of God waits on the Lord. So you can hang that in your car. You can hang that in your locker, wherever you want. But let it be a daily reminder that to be a man of God means to wait on the Lord. Can we praise God again today? So on your way out at all campuses, you can pick those up, pick them up on your way out. And listen, and here's why we wait on him. Write this down as letter A. It's because God will work in his perfect timing and his perfect way. In fact, let's go back to the text. Let's do what it says. It says, after two whole years. Now, mind you, Joseph is now 30 years old. It says, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile, and behold, there came up out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump, and they fed in the reed, of the gla- in the reed grass. And then behold, seven other cows, notice, ugly and thin, came up out of the Nile after them and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile, and the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive plump cows. And then Pharaoh awoke from this dream. Now, this is a long narrative, so I'll give you the, the quick synopsis of it. So we see here that Pharaoh starts trying to figure out, it made such an impression on him that he's trying to figure out what is this dream of these 14 cows. So he asked everyone in the land of Egypt, nobody could interpret him. However, at that time, listen, God brought Joseph back into the mind of the cupbearer. And at that time, the cupbearer said, you know what, Pharaoh, there was a, a Hebrew young man that I remember in prison. He might be able to help you. And so then uh, the Pharaoh called Joseph, and Joseph explained to Pharaoh that the seven plump attractive cows meant that there were going to be seven years of plenty. But immediately after that, those seven other cows were going to be seven years of of severe famine, not only in Egypt, but throughout the entire earth. And so then listen to what happens next. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regard to the throne will I be greater than you. 
And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over, the, over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed them in garments of fine linen and put on a gold chain around his neck. And he made him ride in his second chariot. And they called out before him, Bow the knee, bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Folks, he went from being a prisoner to being the second most powerful man on earth. Can we praise God for just that, for that? My goodness. Talk about a God who works for those who wait on him. And here's a beautiful part about the story. It's God's perfect timing. You see, if, if the cupbearer would have remembered Joseph immediately after he came out of prison, who knows what would have happened? He, made a, he could have got him out of prison. Joseph could have left Egypt, uh, done something else. We don't know what could have happened. But God sovereignly kept that cupbearer from remembering Joseph because at the right time, God had a plan. At the right time, with a sovereign hand, God placed Joseph back into the mind of that cupbearer. And listen, it was the grace of God who moved Pharaoh's heart and mind to elevate Joseph to the second in command, the second most powerful man on the face of the earth. And you know the truth of the matter when you look at the story of Joseph waiting, it's evident that God's people have never been exempt from waiting. In fact, all the patriarchs, listen, they all had to wait on the Lord in one way, shape, or form. For example, if you look at the story of the patriarchs when it comes to Abraham, you know, Abraham had to wait to have a son 25 long years, 14% of his life. Isaac, he had to wait to have children 20 years of his life, 11%. Jacob had to wait 20 years to bring him back to Bethel, to bring him back to the land of Canaan. Folks, 14% of his life. And even Joseph, listen, for his brothers to eventually bow down to him, and we'll find out that next week. Listen, he had to wait 22 years, 20% of his life. And listen, people of God, if the patriarchs had to wait on God, Come on. what makes you think that we don't have to wait on God? You know, when you come, yeah, when you come under the arms of God, of your heavenly Father, there's going to be seasons of waiting. That doesn't mean God doesn't love you or he doesn't have a plan for your life or he's forgotten about you. Can I tell you, sometimes a season of waiting is when our trust in the Lord is developed in a way that you can never develop otherwise. And so listen, child of God, waiting is not something bad. God designed this, designs waiting in your life to build your trust in him and so that you would experience his grace, mercy, and faithfulness in your life because he, we have a God who is faithful every single season of life. Let's praise God today. So listen, child of God, remember, in your season of waiting, our God controls every atom in this universe, every second, every thought, every movement. Our sovereign God is in control. Can I get an amen? amen. And folks, listen, when he works, write this down as it be, God will work it out for the absolute best of you and your family. 
In fact, listen to how the chapter ends. So when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened up all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to buy Joseph to Joseph to buy grain, because a famine was severe over all the earth. My church family, I want you to be in awe of the sovereign hand of God. All these trials, all these imprisonments, all these famines, all these odd things that took place. Listen, it was all for the benefit of God's people. That God would one day elevate Joseph at the right amount of time. He withheld rain at the right amount of time. And he was set in place, the second most powerful man, man on the face of the earth. Because this is the way that God was going to eventually reunite this family. You know, I've told you that when Jacob thought that he lost his son Joseph, when we studied how his brothers told him that he was killed by a wild animal, I've told you that Jacob was a shell of a man. He would never be the same. He was just so discouraged and so sad about the loss of his son. But little did he know, old man Jacob, when he would look up and he would see all those clouds just shift away and it was, there was no rain to be seen. Little did he, that old man knew, know that this was a sovereign hand of God moving the clouds. This is the way that he was gonna reunite him with his son. God's timing is perfect. God's way is good. And listen, child of God, you may be going through a season in your life right now that you may be look up and all the clouds are being removed. You feel like you're in a famine, so to speak, in your life. And you're waiting on God. Listen, child of God, let me remind you, our God is faithful. He loves you more than you can ever imagine. God has, has promised that everything is working out for your absolute best. All he wants for you is to trust in him, Amen. to rest in him. You see, God's timing is rarely ours, but it's always perfect. Amen. So whatever you're waiting on God for, stay strong. Your God will be faithful. Can we praise God today for that? And so let me end with this. Some of you may be watching online, maybe some of our campuses, and the reality is that, you know, you look back in your life, and the reality is that you've never waited on God for anything. That you look at your history and relationships and your career and business and issues in life, and you realize, wow, I've never really waited on God. I've never, I've always tried to do things my own. And the reason for that is because you don't have a relationship with God. So how can you wait on God if you don't even have a relationship with the Lord? Wow. So you're sitting here right now thinking, you know, Omar, man, as I listen to this story, I realize that what I need most in my life is not an issue to be fixed. I just need God in my life. I need God. I don't want to do life by myself. I need God in my life. I... I'm tired of living life apart from God. So you're probably wondering, Omar, how, how can I start a relationship with God? How can I start a journey with the Lord? 
Listen, the answer is not about sitting here in one of these chairs. It's not about doing some sort of ritual. It's not some sort of tradition. It's very simple. There has to be, the Bible says that there has to be a moment in your life where you put your trust and faith no longer in, what, in yourself or the things of this world, but on Jesus Christ alone. That you put your trust in the perfect life of obedience that he lived for you that you can never live. That you put your trust in what he did on the cross when he died and suffered, not for his own sins, but for your sin and my sin. For your shame and my shame. He took it all. He died. He suffered for you because he loves you. And that he resurrected to new life so that those who will put their faith in him will not only be forgiven of our sins, but enter into a personal relationship with God that will not only last the rest of this life, but for all eternity. But you see, there has to be a moment in your life when you say, you know what, I'm, I'm done. I need God in my life. The question is, will you put your trust in him today? Let's bow our head for prayer. Father, for those of us who are already walking with you, Lord, we want to thank you that as we wait on you, oh God, that we know that you are faithful, that you love us, and that your plans for us is to bless us and to give us a good future and a hope. So Lord, I pray for all of us today that as we wait on you, Lord, that you would renew our strength as we see your faithfulness shine through. Thank you, Lord. I want to speak to, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want to speak to those of us here today at all campuses who, maybe you're here right now, you're thinking, you know what, I'm ready. I'm ready to start a relationship with the Lord. So if that's you, listen, a few moments, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And this prayer, it's not something special. It's not something <laughs> magical. No, it's just me helping you talk to God. That's all. What matters is your faith, the condition of your heart. So a few moments, if that's you, I'm just going to lead you through a prayer. But if you're feeling today, you know what, today's the day I, I want to start this journey with God. In a few moments, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand with no one looking around, just as an affirmation. In the first service, we had more than 10 people raise their hands, saying, you know what, I need the Lord. And so if that's you, with no one looking around, with all eyes closed, if you feel today, you know what, I'm ready. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm putting my trust in the Lord. Slip up your hand today. I see you in the front. Anybody else? I see you. I see you both. Anybody else? I see you back, both back, back there at all campuses. Anybody else? I see you as well. Anybody else? It says, Omar, pray for me. And I want to start a relationship with the Lord. Amen. You can put your hand down. Listen, if that's you, or whether you, even if you didn't raise your hand, but that's where you're at right now, I want to lead you through a prayer. You pray this to God, not to me. I'm simply a man. I can never save you. You pray to God. He's waiting for you. Pray this to him. Lord, I'm tired of living life apart from you. I need you, Lord. So I confess all of my sin before you. And I ask you for forgiveness of my sin. And today, Lord, I put my trust in you. I surrender my life today, Lord. Make me yours. And for the rest of my life, help me to live a life that honors you and waits on you, my God.
thank you, Father, for saving me today. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. And love God's people saved. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we encourage all those who prayed that prayer at all campuses? Listen, uh, I'm going to give you some instructions now, but by the way, just remain seated at all campus. We have an important announcement to make at all campus. I want to just, I want to give you a heads up. But listen, if you pray that prayer, okay, uh, on the way out at all of our campuses, there's a next step booth. I would encourage you, whether you raise your hand or not, stop by. We have a free Bible for you, free of charge that we want to put in your hand. We're going to just get your contact so that our pastors could help you take next steps, all right? So at all campuses, on the way out, there's a next step booth. Stop by there. Get your free Bible. Let's connect with you for just a minute or so. Go on your way. and It'll provide big dividends as we can then help you take steps in your new journey with the Lord. Amen. Hey, church family. I'm here with Pastor Omar and his wife, Ashley. Well, here at Christ Fellowship, not only do we want to serve the families of our church well, but we also want to serve the families of our staff and our pastoral team, which is why many years ago we implemented this ministry sabbatical for our pastors who have been serving in full-time ministry for seven years. So with all that being said, Pastor Omar and his family, uh, they're going on this ministry sabbatical this year, the months of July and August. This is a time for them to rest, have a good time, disconnect, and be really re-energized for the next season in their ministry life. And so, Pastor Omar, I know you're excited. You've been looking forward to this. So tell us a little bit of what uh, you're going to be doing in the next couple months. Definitely. Well, first of all, thank you, church family, for uh, allowing this time of, of rest for me and, and my family. Um, you know, ministry life is not easy. And so I think this is really going to be very uh, healthy for us just to take some time just to rest and, and recharge and, and get like refocused for the future. Uh, the first step that we're going to do is that we're going to take a trip uh, overseas to London uh, to where my dad's family lives. Um, none of my dad's family who all lives in London have never met any of my children. And so this is the first time that we're actually going to take a trip and uh, so they can meet them and spend some time with them. Uh, and so pray for us. Oh, it's gonna you're going to need a lot of prayer yeah, for that. It's, it's, a, it's a 10 True. hour flight to London. London, so the kids are getting Benadryl, <laughs> and I'm getting a Benadryl. You know, so uh, so. Uh, but looking forward to that. I think my dad and, and my my aunts and uncles are gonna really enjoy it. That's for awesome. sure. And then on the second half, we're going to be taking the kids to the beach uh, for a couple of days of fun in the sun and in the sands and let them just enjoy and be able to grow together as a family. And then we'll be taking some time just for us where we get to That's just so reconnect awesome. and recharge. And so I'm really looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so am I. And then also uh, uh, pastorally, uh, there's a few books I'm going to read through my sabbatical that I think will be really beneficial for me during this time, especially as I, as I lead our church. And then also um, I'm taking, um, I'm going to a pastoral retreat in Asheville, North Carolina at the Billy Graham Center uh, for Pastors. Uh, and I think it's going to be great. It's going to be a two-day two um, retreat, uh, pastors all over the nation coming together. And I think it's going to be very, very useful for me, not only to uh, for my own personal walk, but also as I lead our church and as I look towards a future uh, to get ready for the next season uh, of ministry. Well, that's amazing, Pastor Omar and, and Ashley. And, you know, I just want to take a moment to honor you guys because, you know, you've been leading our church in such a great way and your preaching and all that. And this is well-deserved. And so we're Thank excited you. You. Uh, for you guys to have this time to rest and, and disconnect and, you know. Definitely. And, you know, at church, listen, uh, man, you, you are in good hands uh, with Pastor Carlos, he's the executive pastor, and our teaching team, uh, they're going to be preaching God's word uh, boldly and at such a high level like they always do, like we all do. 
And so I wanna encourage you to stay tapped in, come worship the Lord. We're gonna have different speakers. Some people are gonna come in. I think you're gonna enjoy. Uh, but again, listen, you're in good hands. We have a great pastoral team and we also have a great staff. And so uh, I, I'm gonna be able to take this time of rest knowing that the church is in good hands. Well, amazing. Well, church family, continue to pray for Pastor Omar and his family, Ashley, Camila, Mattel, as they go on this ministry sabbatical. We love y'all. God bless you. Have a good one.